strange, it's strange to me too. But we're talking about practice, man. We're not even talking about the game, the actual game. When it matters, we're talking about practice. teammates better by practicing. I'm the MVP and I gotta worry about trade talk. I'm the MVP. I'm the MVP. Welcome to the first episode of Dropping Dimes. It is Brittany Johnson alongside Sasha Bloom and our man DJ Fisher. DJ, thanks for joining us. All right, we're just going to go ahead and get right on into it. It's been 20 years since Michael Jordan and AI, since AI crossed up Michael Jordan. DJ, I want to know from you, how did that change the game, or did it, of basketball? Um, wow, wow. It, it, it brought a lot of flair. It brought a lot of flair and excitement. Um, so the game of basketball as an entire brought a lot of attitude, showtime. I think uh, Dr. J uh, started, but... AI enhanced it, uh, but it did really, really change the game from from the NBA to uh, the street ball courts. Do, would you say go as far as to say he pretty much kind of brought street ball to the NBA? Definitely, definitely. Um, him, uh, Ray for Alston, and uh, a few others. Definitely. Was that good for basketball as a whole? Um. Well, uh, it, it brought diversity. <laughs> um, I, I, I wouldn't say uh, uh, it was good, uh, but, you know, uh, it brought a lot of attitude, diversity, um, tattoos. Uh, of course, you guys remember uh, back in the day when uh, the NBA had the dress code. They used to wear suits yeah. uh, to the game. AI, uh, he was uh, defiant, uh, <laughs> to, to say the least, Um and they dropped the hammer on him, too. Yeah, right. but that dress code was pretty much put in part and... because of Ellen Iverson, they're saying. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was nicknamed, what, the AI rule? Yeah, yeah. AI was, uh, he was his own person. I, I don't think he still cares to this day. Um, <laughs> I, I thought he wore a jersey to uh, the Hall of Fame induction, uh, right? No. But, <laughs> no. yeah, yeah, AI. He was suited up. Oh, well, that that's hard to believe. I didn't watch it. But what? Yeah, yeah. It's all How could good. you not watch his speech? I have a busy life. So I do I. But life. it's Allen Iverson. Um, that speech that's, was dope. Really, really, it I, was. Well, I'm gonna have to go back and YouTube it. Listen, but. Allen Iverson is the only grown man with braids that I'm like, okay, that's acceptable. Any other man, no, it is not acceptable. Even Drake, who Sasha dislikes, said he does not mess with grown men like that with braids. The only man he messes with braids is well. I shouldn't have said it that well, way. Yeah, the only man is the, Trey the terminology. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you um, know what I mean. Well, yeah. I mean, AI did did influence the game of uh, basketball as well as the NBA. Um, he changed the culture uh, for the, the 80s babies, 90s babies. Um, I mean, he changed a lot. He had a shoe deal. Uh, he, he, he brought on tattoos. Uh, nowadays, you see nothing but NBA players or basketball players from the high school to to the pros with tattoos uh before you didn't see that uh alan iverson influenced that um to say the least he was the bad boy sasha did you ever listen to any of his raps <laughs> he was good I, I he was better than he... kobe better than shaq he was good alan iverson's interesting to me because of him going to prison for basically being a black guy and having all that 
heat in his white community and for him to finally get to go to Georgetown. Cause what we're not even talking about is how he revolutionized March Madness. Really? He did. I think so. I mean, cause he brought that same Allen Iverson swag to the tournament when the tournament was just starting to go off, especially with Vegas and gambling. And because, you know, the tournament hasn't been what it is in 2017 forever. It's kind of like the NBA that it's kind of rised with the NBA and Allen Iverson's and, you know, the Nick Van Exels of that era, too. I would say that I, I would say that he brought more attention to March Madness because he was flashy the way he was. It was exciting. That whole era was different. It was that thug life era, the hate you give little infants, fuck everyone, that Tupac thing. <laughs> that's what it is. That's what hey, it was. Hey, that's Sasha's era right there. That's what it was. And there's a lot of hate in this society um, towards the establishment from our generation, that Allen Iverson generation. And it, 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 he, he played the villain perfectly, and he made a tremendous amount of money off of it. Yeah. And he could back it up on the court. I mean, he could check Michael Jordan. He could. There's not. There's no one in the league that could stop him. The only reason why he's still not playing is because he destroyed his body with his choices. You know. Definitely. Definitely. But okay, so we all know which one Allen Iverson thinks is better. Which one do you guys think is better? His crossover over MJ or his crossover on Tyron Lue, and then when he walked over him on the baseline. Hmm. One as a champion, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say uh, Tyrone Lue. Um, one. Are you serious? Definitely, definitely. The the this is what I dislike about the, the AI era, and uh, and one and all the crossovers. People put too much time and and energy into the dribbling, but people forgot that AI and the Seventy Sixers lost that game. And Jordan and the Bulls went on to win the championship. You can have one moment in a game. That's just like having, uh, you know, the crowd go wild. But who's holding up the, the W when it's all said and done? True, but uh, who? That's, he changed the game. You can still argue that he changed, that one play changed the entire game. And you're still talking about it 20 years later. How did it change it? It changed it because it's like passing the torch. It's like you crossed over MJ. That... MJ was Alan, or is Allen Iverson's idol. He looks up to him. He still does. And for him in that moment, he even said it. That's why it's better than Tyron Lue. For him in that moment to cross up somebody that he absolutely worshipped, he said when he was out there on that court and he first saw Michael Jordan, it was like he was a god. Like He was like, oh, my God, where am I? This is who I've looked up to my entire life. And when you get that opportunity to do something like that, to cross over somebody like that and change the game, you're passing the torch to me from old to new. But that wasn't 26-year-old Michael Jordan. That was old man Jordan with bad knees and bad hips and shoulders that were probably blown out and him having to control Dennis Rodman. Like, Because you can't just watch Allen Iverson if you're Michael Jordan. you got to make no. sure that Dennis Rodman's not murdering someone. No, but know? I'd still take that Michael Jordan over half the players today. Because his Michael Jordan is just that magnificent. He's just that good. I think he's overhyped. I don't. Why do you think he's overhyped? Michael? Yeah. I, I, agree. I agree. Why? Why? Um, he's a Nike machine. He's a Nike factory. He, he wouldn't be... I mean, they changed the whole game just so he could dunk. The Jordan rules. Um, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm not a Michael Jordan fan. 
Uh, he came out when television and and magazines were popping. Cable. Um, <laughs> he came out during the beginning of this, what I call, marketing holocaust. Mm. Um, because there were people way better than Jordan. They just didn't get that publicity. They didn't get the, the television uh, ratings. Or, or they had felonies and couldn't get repped. And that's the thing. Michael Jordan was very marketable, though. Well, let's not say that. Um, Michael Jordan, I, I take no credit from him, but he just came out during the era that was, I mean, the guy wore a hair and bone necklace. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> and it was sexy too. <laughs> well, I mean, that's cool. Exactly. Marketing Holocaust. I mean, <laughs> since Brittany thinks it's sexy, then every other guy is going to get a, a hair and bone necklace and stick mm-hmm. their tongue out and mm-hmm. hope they can get a Brittany Johnson. I mean, I mean, <laughs> that's very hard to do. It I'm is. kidding. It is. But what I'm saying is marketing and look at the shoe deals. Um, but there's there's players like Isaiah Thomas that come off better to me than Michael Jordan. You got to back that up. I still think Eddie Jones was one of the best players in the world, and he got no love by marketing because he couldn't talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, that's the thing. Michael Jordan had it all. He didn't talk much. But he had and, it all. and they spent millions and millions of dollars of covering up his gambling addictions, his drug addictions, his alcohol addictions, his womanizing. So he wasn't a good guy from a, a moral point of view. People have uh, allegedly have died because of his behaviorisms. Allegedly, Sasha. Uh, that's what I said. I well, covered my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Michael Jordan is just a whole uh, book series in himself. And he's beat up his own teammates. Yeah. Like, you can't go Tough around love. beat. Oh, come on, Brittany. Tough love. You can't. You can't it's be soft. Same, do you remember when Darren Williams threw the ball at a haircut? Hayward. <laughs> what, what was his name? What was his name? Who are you talking about? What Gordon team? Hayward. Oh, Gordon Hayward. No, wait. Was that this season? No, that was like six or seven years when they played together. Said Darren no, Williams. I thought you were talking about that. Was else. like seven years ago. Yeah, oh. <laughs> and it, and it ruined the team, and it ruined Williams being able to be the face of a franchise. It ruined his relationship with Slow. There was some other stuff. Was that issues. here? Yeah. That was here in Utah. Yeah, right? it was at a timeout, okay. and he just chucked it at his head. And because he made a mistake. Died. Yeah. His brand totally died. Yeah. And uh, Michael Jordan's brand would have died too if he didn't make Nike. He single handedly made the sneaker world. And he, he owned a lot. He owns a lot of control over that sneaker. And so, but he never hung out with anyone. Like DJ Armstrong and BJ Armstrong. Like, they did not get along at all. And you can't have a good, healthy team when your lead player is a megalomaniac. But on the court, would you say that... So would you not say that Michael Jordan didn't make his team better? He made himself better. And he had great Hall of Famers with him. Scottie Pippen, Dennis... I mean, Dennis Rodman's a top 15 player in the world ever. Of course. Dennis Rodman's a beast. Yeah. I would have him on any Okay, team. but if they didn't have Michael Jordan, do you think they'd still have all those championships? Stop. Well, they didn't. Let's let's stop right there. For what? Uh, Scottie Pippen is the best player on that team. Yeah. Scottie Pippen is the best all-around player in NBA history. Scottie Pippen had one call against him from taking the Chicago Bulls to the NBA Finals. You're saying a lot of stuff, but you're not backing anything up, DJ. You have Google, right? 
Like, <laughs> he, okay, go ahead. Do you? Why do you need to Google it? Tell me. Why do we need to Google this? When Jordan retired, Scottie Pippen took the Chicago Bulls with a horrible team, a very horrible team, like horrible, uh, to the Eastern Conference Finals against the New York Knicks. There was one call that stopped Chicago Bulls, led by Scottie Pippen, going to the NBA Finals. One call. This is Scottie Pippen. Okay. The best player. <laughs> well, I, I, I won't say in the world, but he's a he's a great. Why player. why won't you say in the world? Um, because if you, you know, think he's the greatest, basketball is evolving. Um, he's the best all around player ever. Um, but he wasn't as consistent as he needed. He, he to couldn't be. be. He had to play behind Michael Jordan, and when Michael Jordan had the flu or hurt his ankle, the guy would score forty five points a night. But when Jordan was on the floor, he had to score 15 points because he was, he, there wasn't enough ball for him. Matter of fact, you, you remember uh, the Bulls versus the Blazers? Sure I do. You, you know what Phil, Phil Jackson did to Scottie Pippen? They said, take him out. Yeah. You, you remember that? It was, I don't, I don't know if it was the Western Conference Finals, but maybe the, the semifinals. Um, but Scottie Pippen is a threat. He's a major threat. I mean, I never said he wasn't. You're Blazers, just saying he's the best player the in the world, so I want to know no, why. So hard to get him. Do you imagine Clyde Drexler, Sabonis, and Pippen together? That's a championship team. Yeah, uh, Damon Stoudemire, yeah. Steve Smith, um, Rasheed Wallace. Oh, they had he a was squad. on that team. Yeah, yeah, they had a squad. Where is Rasheed Wallace? He's uh, Area 21. Wealthy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I miss Rasheed Wallace. He's catch him uh, on TNT with. Uh, Kevin Garnett. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, he's in Area 21. Huh. They're, they're hanging out like us. Mm. Definitely. So, so, go ahead. so do you think basketball was better when Charles Oakley and Dennis Rodman played and you could actually use your elbows and you could use your hips and you could hand check? Yes. Uh, today's NBA is soft. Um, Trim. Today. Yeah. Extremely soft. Um, I, I would elaborate. In my own words, but we're on uh, uh, radio, and uh, I can't really elaborate how I want to. But feel um, free. You you had fouls. Uh, we we always talk, me and my guys, how nobody would ever score thirty points on you. One because fifteen was disrespectful. Yeah. Twenty meant that you were great, but you were going to get the hell fouled out yeah. of you. We were going to clobber you. Yeah. To let you know that it wasn't going to happen. But these guys at 6'8", 270 what-odd pounds are crying because someone, you know, gave them an elbow or, or pushed them in the lane or boxed them out aggressively. Um, they're, they're going to the refs crying. Like, um, Who are you talking about, Westbrook? The well, other night? No, no, <laughs> the Clippers. No. Just include all of the Clippers. No. Um, <laughs> Le- Lebanon James. Lebanon James. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, he's he's pretty soft um in my my eyes. Yeah, my I opinion. think if he grew up in the McKill Rodman era, he would have been broken down to a 10 point an average guy. See, here's my I don't question. think he could have handled it emotionally. Physically, of course he could, but he couldn't have given it back. No, and the question I'm always on record with saying the NBA is soft now. I don't like it because you touch somebody it's a foul, you touch somebody again it's a technical. Get thrown off again, it's just too soft. But why do you think that is, and where did that change? Uh, Ron Artest in the fans, right? 
I would say AAU basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. absolutely right. AAU basketball has changed the game and babysitted these players. Uh, neighborhood coaches have babysitted these players. And um, I think it's just the the culture of basketball nowadays is, is just everything from everybody gets a trophy to uh, uh, just soft, man. I mean, every, like if you're a ref in my game, let's say I'm the number one player in the world. You will look after me so you can brag about ref in my game. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I see it all the time in the Pac-12. Yeah. Oh, well, I wouldn't say the Pac-12, maybe the Big Well, 12. I work in the Pac-12, so, well, <laughs> I, you know, I work yeah. 30 games on the floor. Um, well, Pac-12, I, uh, the ball kid. Yeah, Alonzo Ball. Yeah, he's, well, that's a whole different. Yeah, that's but, <laughs> no, 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 but here's, we can here's, get into that now. <laughs> but here's a great conversation before we go right there. Mm-hmm. Uh the starting point guard for the Washington Huskies. He's got three games left at the end of the season. The first of those three being at the University of Utah. He sits out because his knee's a little sore. They're not going to make it to the tournament. They're not going to go anywhere in the Pac-12 championship. And he's a number one draft pick. But you know what? 20,000 people showed up not to watch the Utes play, but to watch him play. Because this is a basketball town. And to be able to watch a number one draft pick or a number two draft pick. And the kid sits out because... He knows he's going to have a $2 million a year sneaker contract, and he's going to get paid $20 million out the gate for the NBA, and he's never done anything. Or maybe he'll get paid billions for that pack deal. <laughs> well, <laughs> but let's go yeah. ahead and get into it right now. Yeah. NBA players are just players in general sitting out. Your take on that? Um, I, I think it's ridiculous. Uh, if you can play up to 100 uh, games in AAU um, and and do so much uh, off the court, I feel like, you know, you should be able to give the fans what they pay for. Uh, fans, number one, run the sports industry. If you don't make the fans happy, then you have no sports team. Uh, you have no jersey sales. You have no concession sales, ticket sales. And if you make ESPN angry, who pays $1.2 billion a year, for instance, for a Jazz game, on April 4th, there's an ESPN national game against the Jazz and somebody. For that game, ESPN's paying $2 million. Just to broadcast two hours, $2 million. And so for anyone to be sitting out on that as financially, I mean, ESPN has given up everything to have the NBA. And they might become a bankrupt company because of this contract. And then you, you sit there as an executive and you see the three of the <laughs> 10 best players in the world sitting out of your national game when you're trying to compete against the uh, NCAA tournament. That are still getting paid over mm-hmm. $800,000 a game to sit out. Yeah. Um, yeah. While these, these people are scraping up nickels and dimes just to attend the game. And the guy that has a family of four who's sitting there not being able to watch his game and is getting paid, charged 140 bucks, 160 bucks a month just to watch that game, and he says, screw this, I'm calling Comcast. I think the you fans got to step in, like you said, and it's not just writing, oh, this sucks, this sucks on Twitter or social media like that. You got to stop watching. You got to call and complain. You got to stop going to games. It you because that's going to take money away. That's going to take money away from the no, NBA. No, it's not. Yeah, it's, it is. It's a virtual it's a, protest in a in a sense. Uh, but 
it would have to be for for a long period of time for yeah. it to actually have an impact. And but, for the person that watches game 47, they're not going to turn off. Like the people that are watching basketball now are not casual basketball fans. They're very serious basketball fans because they're watching this epic drama of a 82 game series. Okay, but then here's the question. A lot of players say it, it doesn't matter. These single games, these season games, they don't matter. What matters is the championship. What matters is the ring. At the end of the day, the fan is not going to remember, oh, LeBron James, Steph Curry, they set out of this game. What they are going to remember are the rings, how many rings they have. Do you agree with that or no? I, I disagree. Um, one thing that I, I teach and preach to my clients is you're an entertainer above all things. Do not let your ego uh, get above your 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 point of being there. Yeah. Uh, your point of being there is because the fans put you in that position, not just your talent, because there's a lot of talented guys that would die to be in your position. So don't don't put yourself above the fans, number one, and entertain above all means because that's your job. And three... Um, Uh, yeah, just just go ahead. To, three. I want to hear three. No, it's too aggressive. Uh, I want to hear three. <laughs> yeah, just just try not to 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 let us down. Um, I I I yeah, I, I just don't want to be let down. Um, I want to see a performance. I want to see you compete. I want to I want to I want to cheer for you. If you're sitting on the bench, then you're you're letting me down as a, a, a basketball fan and a student of the game. Um, I, I don't know. I just think it's a bad influence. What do you think when Carter Malone um, spoke out this week and said, basically, get your ass back on the court? That's what you're supposed to do. I don't remember any of those old school players just sitting down, eating chips and crap, and laughing like LeBron James, just laughing with his freaking teammates on the side of the court, having a good old time. I don't care if you're watching all games, all year, you're a diehard fan. You still do not want to see your favorite player sitting on the sideline cracking jokes and crap. You want to see them on the court. Does it come down to the NBA having too much money? Because if you think about this, if uh, Gordon Hayward signs his max deal, which I think he'd have to sign next year, potentially in like 2022 or 2023, he would make $47 million for 82 games. Yes, um, Gordon Hayward, $47 million. Hey, but some I people say he's, he's worth, worth that amount. N- n- no, no one is. No. Um, I think they do have too much money. And I think paying them uh, so much money is giving them too much control, um, which you have LeBron James eating popcorn on the sideline and flipping water bottles. <laughs> um, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see it. Although it's become a national fab, um, I, I don't want to see it. But I do think they pay the, the players too much money. So I don't know if Brittany introduced you completely, but you're a sport agent. You have a lot of clients, and you're trying to recruit them, I assume, at 16, 17, maybe 18, 19. And then you have a whole probably another gap of clients who are older. You know, How do you keep a 17-year-old young man or man humble? Because it's hard. Like, I, I was a nobody athlete, and I was arrogant, you know, because I was in good shape. I had pretty women around me. Like, people show up to watch you play, 
And I, I imagine the higher up that chain you get, you'd have to have an ego. Yeah, especially during today's era uh, with social media. You have adults and, and sponsors following you and uh, wanting you to retweet. And, and send coaches. You. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty tough. But one thing that I, I do is use an example. A uh, guy from my hometown, Corleone Young, uh, he was LeBron James before LeBron James, 6'8 beast. Uh, he was the 10th ever player selected uh, out, of the, out of high school into the NBA. Uh, he played, you know, a couple games, uh, and he was on the Pistons at the time. He seen Grant Hill in the locker room asking Grant, yo, you made it. What are you lifting for? Uh, mm. And Grant responded, hey, young man, it's because I'm lifting that I'm still here. Um, and Corleone Young is back in my hometown. You know, he changed his life a little bit, but before he changed his life, uh, it, it said that he was just, you know, another cat on the street. He was a 6'8 guy on the street, uh, you know, hanging out with little 16, 17, 18-year-olds, although he could have been the phenom of the NBA. And it can all be taken away from you that quick. Millions, easily. Your your entire dream can be taken away from you by one mistake or not taken as serious as, as you, you desire. And it's not just the NBA. It's careers in general. Yeah, yeah life. Yeah. Life. Um, Relationships. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's it's we we have to actually take things serious and not take things for granted and put all the hard work that we can into them. Uh which which goes back to the point if we're paid before we play, how how hard are we going to play? Mr. Ben Simmons. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my god. So so should players be fine then? Cuz that's yeah. another question. I think they should raise raise the fine. Honest to god. I I think that they should raise the fine and and put a foot in the butt. Are fines um, real? Like if a yes. guy gets paid, because I've heard that like if the M- the NFL charges someone a hundred thousand dollars, I've heard it's actually more like a ten thousand dollar fine, and then it kind of goes to the rest goes to charity that you can write off in a tax deduction. You can do. You can definitely go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You I'm, can go ahead. <laughs> ladies first. <laughs> go ahead then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> The insults. <laughs> Can we have like the little dime sound? No, I'm not going to satisfy no. your ego that way, <laughs> man. Go ahead, DJ. Well, I said ladies first. All right. So basically, to my understanding, can't you just write it off, like you said, to a charity and you get the money back? I'm pretty sure that's the loophole. Um, there's, there's two ways. Uh, if you're a major player, um, the team pays it for you. Um, some players actually pay it themselves. Um, but I mean, straight cash only. Yeah. It just depends. Some, I mean, 5,000, 10,000. I mean, you're getting paid six figures a game. Yeah. It's not really going to hurt you unless you're a rookie. Um, but still yet, um, it just depends on the situation, but I feel like the NBA needs to do a better job of, uh, of impacting these players where it hurts. And you mentioned Ben Simmons. I was just watching that documentary the other day. On I didn't realize that he just went to school for a semester. Yeah. yeah. That's sad. It's a, it's abuse. It's child abuse. Yeah, I know he's technically not a child, but he's six months removed from being a child. Let's, let's say he gets hurt. Yeah. Granted, he has a Nike contract. Nike can void that contract because they're not getting any pub from his ability 
in which they invested in. And those young folks trying to get those $10 million uh, insurance policies cast on a major injury almost never happens. They're getting swindled on that, too. Do you think players are coming in the NBA too young? This Are, we, are you done seeing the one and done and going off to the NBA? I hate it with a passion. I believe that they should at least do three years. Um, one, because the first year of college, you're doing core classes, and you're really not focused on your, your major and what you want to, you know, uh, focus on a career. And you're trying to find a girl or a guy or, you know, what, or many of them, you know. Definitely. A yeah. plethora. Yeah. Like plethora. Sasha had. And, and, and your focus really isn't where it needs to be. Uh, NBA career, that's a dream. But what are you going to do to take care of your family? The, the millions may, may continue to be there, um, possibly after taxes and your family and you buy your agent. Well, taking up all your money. Yeah. I mean, luxury cars and houses and vacations. Seems like the but, agents be living large. Well, I mean, what's the topic of today's show? <laughs> we have a ton of topics. This is one of them. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a humble guy. I, 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 I live within my means. Um, what are your means? My means? Yeah. It's just live life to the best of my ability and live in my purpose. That sounds expensive. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Man, I'm an everyday guy. Do I look? I mean, come on. I've got a question for you, which I've kind of been thinking a lot being around the NBA because I'm standing next to someone that's paying uh, $2,200 for one seat to watch a game. Sure. And I'm standing next to these guys that are making $10, 20000000 million. And – you have a more personal relationship with these athletes. Is it was it intimidating for you to be around that type of wealth and um, that that swagger, like that millionaire look that they have? Because I because I, I I find it kind of awkward to be around those types of people. Uh, yes and no. Um, I have a, a cousin that's an NFL Hall of Famer, um, but he's he's a pretty humble guy. Um, but being around these guys that just got to have the flash and the jewels and, and all that, I, I look at them like they're stupid. I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm in. Well, I guess I am insulting them, but I feel like it's a poor investment. But it, it just it, it turns me off. You're not investing wisely um, into your, 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 your future. But. I guess your your original question was what was it? Okay, I'm so sorry. when when you show up to a player's house, right? Yeah, and there's a ninety thousand dollar Porsche there or a Ferrari, and it's a five and a half million dollar house, and you walk through thirty foot doors <laughs> and marble floors and jacuzzis in the living room, and you know the whole on the beach. Are you is is it intimidating to be yourself? Yes. Yeah, I imagine it would be. I imagine I, that's probably the biggest struggle you're The real answer is no, because that's how he lives. <laughs> no. Um, I would say yes. Yes, definitely. Um, you try to ignore it. You really do, but it's kind of hard until, you know, they start talking about the lavish life, and and then you want to kind of compare to it, but you don't. <laughs> but you can't, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever felt like you need to 
be a part of the team or, you know, the clients that you're representing, like, okay, they're going to pull up in this kind of car. I need to make sure I'm in this car so I can match their fly pretty much. Yeah, I got me a Volvo S60. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought I was doing big. I thought I was doing big. But, I mean, I love my Volvo. But, yeah, yeah, definitely. And that happens in the league as well, especially amongst rookies. Uh, I always hear the story about, you know, they go on trips and you have a rookie carrying a uh, a Jansen book bag. And they're like rookies. And they're pink. Yeah. The Jazz have to do pink. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> like rookies. Step your game up. And they've got uh, – They've got fairies and stuff. Like, it's embarrassing. Who had that backpack? Uh, crap, I was looking at pictures last year, last season. Uh, I can't remember. Well, they're they're like rookies. Step your game up. Come <laughs> come get this Louis Vuitton. You know, spend five ten thousand 10000 on a bag. Yeah. And then this rookie has a mindset that I have to keep up with these vets who make 30 times more than me. And they make them pay for those $30,000 team dinners, too. Oh, my God. But yeah. the thing is, you don't need all that. roulette. Hat roulette. Everybody puts their uh, credit cards into a hat. Yep. And they draw them. No, wow, that's such gambling. Could you imagine that? Yeah, I'd be like, y'all drinking water tonight. Every water is across the table. Salads. Dom Perignon. Nope. uh, Steaks that they don't even finish. Mm. Like, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Because they can't. They got their at the end of the day. They're athletes. You can't have a pound of meat in your stomach. So, you as a sports agent, do you um, rep? A lot of younger people right now, do you have a lot of younger clients? No, no. no? I prefer uh, season um, now unless they have the, the mindset that they want to use their platform to uh, impact and inspire others. Uh, as we stated earlier about the fans and the, the athlete relationship, um, I want to make sure that my player is taking the time out to inspire a fan, to take a picture or autograph or tweet them back or uh, say hello you know, go to a children's hospital. Uh, and a lot of younger players nowadays, they don't have that mentality, uh, which goes back to the, the segment earlier that we spoke on. So, yeah, the older guys, they're all about that. Um, Antoine Carr, for example, uh, he tells me stories of how he stopped all the players uh, that were parked behind him coming out of the tunnel um, just to get out of their car and sign autographs for the fans that were watching. And if you go around Salt Lake City today, they they just tell you crazy stories about how Antoine Carr took his time out to, you know, inspire them or give them an encouraging word. I'm all about that. And so, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you, you can't I really. I thought you were done. Sorry. Yeah, I'm never done. Oh, um, <laughs> but, yeah, you, you can't really inspire or influence um kids nowadays unless they came from a, a, a tough situation to really understand that before we get to Antoine Carr I do want to ask you this um when you are out because I'm I imagine that you you do scout and everything maybe do you not really not really I, mean, I, I try a little bit okay so how can you tell if a if a younger player has that mentality well um back to social media uh I, I follow them uh, watch how they post. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, um, there's a couple kids that just signed with uh, Duke that I have on my Facebook. And I watch how they act and interact with others. Um, and that really shows me their character um, and how they will be when they actually get this money. Money doesn't change everybody. It, I, I really, it doesn't. Um, 
so yeah, I, I just watch how they interact with others and their their ego most of all. And uh, these kids are six ten, six fifteen, um, making the McDonald's All America team, and they're shocked. You feel me? Mm. Um, shocked to to make it. And they, in my mind, knew that they were going to make it. I, I've got a good story for you. So, the backup guard at Duke for the twenty seventeen team, Frank, is it Frank Jackson? I'm not sure. Not um, sure. He's a Utah kid from Lone Peak. And ESPN came, and it was the first time they ever broadcasted a high school basketball game. Um, Utah? Yeah, ever. Wow. Um, just for him. And so I'm talking to the director, and I go, why are you here? And he goes, <laughs> he goes oh, for so we have footage for the NBA draft. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yeah. That's the only reason why they came in. And they were happening to be playing a team from Chicago who also – was a five-star blue chip. Sure. Um, he didn't go to Duke. I think he – I don't remember where he went. But they were there together, so ESPN's like, all right, let's spend twenty five grand, drive on out there, and film him for two hours. And that kid who was – I mean, he signed at Duke, so he, he was one of the five best players in the country. But sure. he didn't he verbally commit to someone before, and then he switched to Duke? Well, he'd been going – I mean, they all do, but you yeah. can't take that seriously. No, no. No, he was kind of going back and forth with Utah and That's I think I, Oregon, okay. and there were a couple others. But when Duke's, when Coach K comes in, you go there because he's the greatest basketball mm-hmm. coach in the world. And he trains a young man to be a good man. And this kid, Frank Jackson, when ESPN's interviewing him, blown away that ESPN had come to watch him play. Sure. And that that high school had drafted him, you know, well, not recruited him and got him out of the bad neighborhood. It wasn't a bad neighborhood, but got him to the best basketball school in the state. Changed his life. Changed his life. And he was so humble. And the crowd, I mean, it was one of the loudest crowds I've ever heard. And there were only four or 500 kids. And it was just that passion. I mean, jumping and shaking the cameras. If you go back and watch it, it looks horrible because the camera's platform is just shaking the the whole time. Yeah, just vibrating. And they loved it. And that's one of the powerful things and the good things about basketball is watching these men having the opportunity for generational family change. And it really saddens me that this quote-unquote hip-hop culture and thug culture is destroying opportunities for a lot of kids. And I wish that there were more agents like you or more people like Antoine Carr who go into the neighborhoods and help these young kids who have horrible parents or parents in prison or, you know, deal with generational poverty or disease, you know. Whose job is it or is it anyone's job for these young athletes to take them through media training, through money training, through, you know, just how to be a man. Is that the agent's job, the coach's job, the girlfriend's job, the girlfriends, the mom? <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's really the, the mentor or the agent's job or the high school or college coach. Um, but I was going to, to tap on that with the Frank Jackson situation. I feel like it's also the alumni, the, the, the seasoned vets. I feel like it's their responsibility of course, you go into the rookie combine and all the the other events and engagements, and they teach you about you know the business of sports. But I feel like it's the vets that have played the game and are playing the game 
that need to teach the high school kids what to expect. Of course, we teach them media training, not to say, uh, um, and, uh, you know, yeah. what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. Now, now, <laughs> now you're going to do it. So, yeah, I, it's, it's, I, I feel like it's their responsibility to, to prepare them, prepare them for the worst as well as the best. And if you ask five McDonald McDonald's all Americans, uh, why they play the game and what's their, their plan with the game. And at least 90% of them will say to take care of my family. And they don't have any idea what that means. And it's it's sad. It's just the truth. I mean, a seventeen, my, me at seventeen, had no idea what it meant to take care of a family. Yeah, yeah, I'm not knocking it at yeah. all. But back when we were growing up, it's because we love the game. Mm. And and you see that now, people are in the NBA sitting on the sidelines just to take care of their family, not to play the game. The passion's gone. There's no more fire. They may compete against the best, but where has it gone? Are you willing to to do what I love, shoot that three-point shot or cross somebody over or block somebody's shot into the stands to get you out your seat? That's what it's about, right? I mean, if they don't want to play, I'll play. Put me in. (laughs) They want to sit down. You can give me $100 right now. I'll go play for the Jazz. $100? Just $100. Yo, I, I think they Times are hard. <laughs> I think they pass. What? I'll give you 200 if you go into the next home game. <laughs> Yo, you may have to hire me after that because I Yo. may get fired. Yeah. If I run on the court. You might get a lot. <laughs> fired, arrested, and on ESPN. <laughs> so, okay, uh, going back to this, the owners, because Adam Silver put out a, a statement is it the owner's responsibility as well, or should the owners have some sort of say-so um, on the players sitting out or not sitting out? Let me read you his statement. He said, decisions of this kind can affect fans and business partners, impact our reputation and damage the pre- precipitation of our game. He also said, with so much at stake, it is simply not acceptable for governors which he refers to as owners, to be uninvolved or deferred decision-making authority on these matters to other in their organizations. Please also be reminded that under current league rules, teams are required to provide notice to the league office, their opponent, and the media immediately upon a determination that a player will not participate in a game due to rest. Failure to abide by these rules will result in significant penalties. What's the biggest news story in sport in Utah? It's the Major League Soccer coach being fired because the owner is all up in someone's business and has ruined a franchise that was one of the most prestigious soccer organizations in the country, and now it can't win a game because you got an owner who doesn't know anything about that sport, doesn't know anything about an athlete or a head coach making decisions. And that's the thing. And, I mean, you don't want a Donald Sterling all up in someone's business. I just don't like Donald Sterling, so I don't want any yeah, Donald Sterling. Yeah. Up but there's a lot more of that type of guy running organizations than oh yeah one would believe. Oh, I, I know there there's there is that's you know whatever. But I mean, I I don't think owners should have that much of a say so in that. I mean, yeah, it's your money, you own the team, but at the end of the day, some of these guys don't even know anything about sports. You just have enough money to put in to own the team. What do you think, sir? 
Um, I, I don't think they should be too involved, um, just enough to, to find the, the players and understand that this is a business. I didn't, didn't pay you nor hire you to, uh, to sit down. Now, as far as getting into personal life, I, I don't think so. I thought uh, Larry H. Miller did a very decent job as an owner because he brought passion to his team or helped them bring out their his players' passion. And he was a giant cheerleader, and I, I thought that was a good role. But, you know, he also, once he got involved in the boozer tradings and all these other things, he kind of screwed his organization a little bit too. Um, I think it's a fine line. You you know, most owners are not athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they really don't know what's best. And most owners hire GMs uh, just strictly based off of uh, references and friendships. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty tough. Jerry Jones is doing a great job. I'm not a Cowboys fan, but he's he's created a dynasty, not in a championship way. Yeah. Yeah, in a business way. Yeah. In a business way. Um, but outside of that, you know, he, he knows when to step back. He's also one of those interesting guys that has hired a lot of criminals and a lot of um, men who aren't the kindest to people in the community, too. And so that that's an odd line for me, too, because of the large profile that these athletes are and the influence that they have on little boys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of those athletes from my hometown, yeah. Joseph Randall. Mm. Um, yeah, man, he's sitting in Wichita County jail yeah. still. And he'll be there for a bit. Mm-hmm. A long time. And he, <laughs> he probably should be putting a ring on his finger, you know. Well. Again, another example yeah. uh, of how you should humble yourself. Crazy talent, crazy talent. All can be taken away because of ego. Well, guess who won't be sitting out of any games, y'all? Aaron. Fernandez. Nah, Lonzo. <laughs> <laughs> War machine. Nah, nah. Lonzo Ball, because his daddy ain't having that. He going to be in every single game when he gets to the NBA. His daddy going to be right there, front center, yelling at him. Good old Lamar Ball, huh? I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. Ball? I got to sit courtside and watch Lonzo Ball play Utah this year, and it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my entire life. Really? The fluidity and how smooth his body was. And how humble he was to take to pass up ninety percent of the shots he could because he could have scored fifty that night. Like the Utes aren't a good defensive team, and instead he had fourteen assists and eleven rebounds or something like that. And he smiled and he high fived his coach and a lot of things you don't see star athletes and coaches do. And you know what? He signed a couple of autographs for the Utah students, and it was. The kid got it, but he had uh, the only thing I could compare it to watching with my eyes with basketball was watching how slow the game was for Steph Curry. And it was the same type of just watching him. You're just you're watching an artist as where some basketball players are basketball players. He was an artist. And, you know, it's the first thing I thought was like, there's never been a player this lean and this long. With his athleticism, I don't know if he'll be able to hold up from a strength point of view. That's but. what I was going to say. How How is he going to do in the NBA, his body stature and everything? How do you think he'll hold up? Um, George Hill is going to knock him on his ass, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's a good player. Yeah. Um, I'm not really caught up into the hype, but 
as far as an NBA player, I think he'll be a nice sixth man. Um, what do you think about his shot? He shoots so low. He he has a horrible, very ugly delivery. Uh, just horrendous jumper. Yeah, uh, but it goes in. It works now, but will that work in the NBA? Mm. Definitely not. You have guys holding their yeah. hand out in front of your chest. Who are four inches taller than him. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So do you think that's going to be a rough transition? Because what they're going to do is work on his shot, and they're going to change his shot when he gets to the NBA. So do you think his – for how many – how long do you think it's going to take for him to fully If he goes to the it? Lakers, they will not change his shot. They will let him do whatever he wants because you have a 36-year-old coach. you got a coach that doesn't have wisdom. What do you, what do you guys mean change so your shot? It's impossible to change an adult No, it's shot. not because a lot of people do try to – Work on, okay, your shooting habit. You're not, like you said, you're shooting too low. You need to bring your shot up. You need to adjust it this way. You need to do X, Y, and Z. That's why they have shooting coaches. So a lot of times it doesn't really work for that person when they try to change their shot. They end up, their shot just never goes in anymore. So So they end up going back to their old way. I have a question. What happened with Sean Marion? Okay, that's an exception, but I mean, <laughs> but I mean, there are. He didn't sometimes. have a shooting coach, or what? But I mean, listen, he there can are. He and he ran every, every play. Well, he shot the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there are. That's what you have shooting coaches for. You have shooting coaches to sit there. Not, I'm saying, not to readjust your shot, but to help you out. And shooting coaches, <laughs> yes, they do. So, so. Uh... Sean Mary just got passed up. <laughs> he said, I'm not going to work with you today. <laughs> you got to work with Nash. I mean, <laughs> you, you just sit down and watch so everybody you, else. <laughs> so you're going to tell me there's no one there that's going to try to redo his shot? Um, No, no. A shot is a person's shot, and it's almost literally impossible to change someone's shot outside of telling them to tuck their elbow in or out and follow through with their, their jumper. Um, and that's just from my experience. Well, they have all that muscle memory for doing it for so long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so many people with horrible shots. You remember uh, Bill Cartwright, how he brought the ball around yeah. around mm-hmm. his head. I mean, <laughs> how how is that? Why would you do that? Like, <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> you're 7'19", first of all. And <laughs> You're bringing the ball from your left to your right. <laughs> Why? Like, <laughs> I have so many questions. But, yeah, I mean, I think he'll be fine. Uh, he just won't be shooting the ball a lot unless he's open. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, just just seriously. <laughs> like, what do you think Michael Jordan used to say to him? Man, I think Michael would laugh. <laughs> do you think he even talked to him? I, do, do I think he would talk to him? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> to Lavar? I don't. I don't think he would talk to him strictly because his father. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his father would just try to, you know, intervene somehow. His his father's a piece of work, man. You like, think it's good for those young boys? No. No. Um, what would you say to him if you landed, Lon? You know, a, a player have... like Lonzo Ball, and he, they had a father or a mother that was just a cartoon character. <laughs> um. Your family can make or break you. Yeah. Um, if I had a player and I was scouting a player and a player was strongly interested in me, um, I would inform them that you have to be your own person. You can't let your family live your life through you. And I believe that's what his father is doing. And I think he's a cancer. 
I, I think strongly that he's a cancer to his his son's career. Um, that's sad to hear. I mean, that's just sad, like from a human story. I feel the same. <laughs> you're not. But I mean, you're not you even giving your sons a chance. Story, like right? they're not even in the NBA yet. You have two that you don't even know if they're going to the NBA yet. Yeah, you've got one. He's one and done. But I mean, you have two other sons playing at Chino Hills right now that are still in high school. I mean, come on, give them what a chance. What I don't get is that this man has a chance to win three national titles at UCLA. If you won one, he would be a legend, like a Reggie Bush legend in L.A. I wouldn't say that. You don't think so? No, you got Kevin. UCLA is so deep with with, with history. Kevin Love, uh, Baron Davis, yeah. all those guys. that uh, Earl, Earl, he's with the... He's from Kansas City. He's with the uh, Phoenix Suns now. But Earl Watson, yeah. um, UCLA has Bannon dished Gates. out so, so, so many players. Now here's... They've been a dead program for a long time, even yeah. with the Westbrooks and those types of folk. Yeah, yeah. I think all programs go through the slump. But I don't think uh, he's as good as advertised. Yeah. Um, so they need to get him out, yeah. I think if he was at a different school, then yeah. But in L.A., I think you have too much going on for him to be focused. that big. Like, you have too many teams out there. But the liner, Bush, you know, White kind of pulled it off. They were bigger superstars than any pro athlete at that time. But that's before, even though they suck, that's before you have the L.A. Rams. Then you have all those teams out there. You know, that's before you had all of that out there. Yeah, but Kobe was there. You know, I mean... <laughs> I don't understand. Kobe? I don't understand why oh. you like an athlete like him. I, I said that on purpose. He knows. But I know. I want to. I want to ask you a couple more questions before we get out of here. But um, if you've got a young player, or you said you also played Division One sport, if you got a teammate even who sprains her elbow or dislocates a shoulder, and they start taking hydrocodone and pain pills. What do you talk to your teammate or young clients about the dangers of pain pills and masking their pain? Um, I mean, all I can do is, is tell them. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it's it's uh, it's a reality. Do you um, ever see anyone um, growing up that kind of lost it because of pain pills? Uh, pain pills uh, or everything, or everything, creatine. You know, blowing out pectoral muscles with creatine or steroids or you know there's there's a gamut there yes yes um yeah it's it's sad man um one of the best best players ever ricky ross uh he killed michael jordan i mean killed him uh especially in the mcdonald's all-america game uh today you know he's fighting a drug battle walking the streets of wichita kansas Excuse me for all the Wichita shout-outs. I was just about to say, uh, yo, we sure talk about Wichita a lot. We're in Utah. Yeah, definitely. Well, he played definitely. there. They well, better basketball but, program. Um, yeah, I mean, drugs drugs, and just everything. Substance abuse is very strong, even in the NBA. Uh, people really don't understand how a player can wake up and do back-to-backs and go to sleep and still have energy. Those players take pills. Those players are doing alcohol and drug abuse. To, to go to sleep on time or sleep on the plane or sleep in the hotel. I mean, there's there's so much going on. And people question themselves, how could a, a person with so much money have so many issues? It's because they, they fought and tried to 
to maintain a, a level of energy just to perform and entertain. But growing up, yeah, I've seen it all the time, especially in high school, uh, college. There's players who smoke weed on a daily basis just to sign autographs and hold up a smile to, to the fans. It's sad, but it's a reality. Um, what do I say to kids? Don't. Um, what about the the football player that wants to get on HGH or steroids? Because or, uh, you're talking about life-changing money. You're probably going to lose 30 years on your life. I mean, it's a big gamble there. You know, be a rock star for 20 years. It's not worth it. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's, it's not. It's not. <laughs> what 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 can you say? What I mean, I turned down steroids a couple of times, and I really wonder if my serve would have gone from 106 miles an hour to 115 miles an hour. Had I gone to 115, I would have played on the circuit. Sure, but I naturally I couldn't. I didn't have the height to get that extra 10 miles an hour. And but I I remember I started dabbing with creatine and. I was stronger and faster than I had ever been, but then I started blowing muscles out. And, you know, the damage that I did on my 17-year-old body that I'm starting to deal with now, I don't know how these really good athletes, these football players and baseball players and some gymnasts can't stay off steroids. Was it worth it? No, God, no. And I was, yeah, God, no. I, I, would, I would have done so many decisions different. So do we have to blame it on the athlete or do we blame it on society? Because it's just, <laughs> who do you blame it on? Is it your fault or is it our fault for telling these players, you need to be like this, you need to be the best, and this is who you need to be like. So they're not born naturally like that, so they have to do something to get like that. Is it their fault or is it our fault for wanting so much from these athletes? I blame it on uh, LeVar Ball. <laughs> um, Yo, I think he could take you one-on-one. I strongly doubt it. I know he could. You look um, weak. Oh, I look weak. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I blame it on LeVar Ball because he set so much ex- or so many expectations for, for his sons. Um, Kevin Durant's mother, I, I applaud her. Uh, obviously, he hasn't taken a steroid in his life. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even bench press his own weight. Um you know, she made him work hard. Yeah. Um he, he shows <laughs> he shows flaws in his game, but uh today's parents and it goes back to the AAU circuit, they have so many expectations for their, their kid to to just be great and, and make it to the pros. I mean, it's a hobby. It's a game. Basketball is a game. And we're 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 it's we're living and dying by it. But really. now it's a business. It's not just a game anymore. It's a complete business. You know, I, I used to think the same thing about Jeopardy. Or not Jeopardy. But <laughs> like wait. Monopoly. Monopoly. Uh I used to think Monopoly was a game before McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> wait, they, wait, what? I'm lost. No. Monopoly was a game. Remember uh, at McDonald's you could McDonald's. get monopoly pieces? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She's from San Diego. Dago. Yeah, that's sushi life. <laughs> yeah. You gotta eat like a fat kid. Wait. Yeah. But I still don't get it. It's okay. <laughs> Am I the only one? You yeah. get it, Sasha? Yeah. Yeah, it was a game that turned into a business. 
Yeah. So, um, <laughs> before we get out of here, I want your MVP prediction or who's going to win MVP. Who do you have for MVP? Tony Jones, right? No, no, no. Tony can't hoop. Tony. Oh, God. Russell, Russell Westbrook. Best player on the planet. No, you got to go with that man from uh, the Spurs. Who's that? Kawhi? Kawhi? Yeah. yeah. Tony Parker? No, Ka- Kawhi. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard's the best player in the league. Kawhi Leonard, huh? Hmm. Um, he's he's nice. He reminds me of Scotty and Latrell Sprewell. But definitely not not but an MVP. Russell Westbrook, he's averaging a triple-double. and he's Yeah, got... but it's fake stats. But... No, LeBron has fake stats. Westbrook doesn't have fake, fake stats. Wow, we just want Donald Trump. No. <laughs> they make up fake stats for LeBron. Fake They'll be news. like, the first person in history to score two points in 30 seconds. Like, I don't know. They make up stupid stuff about LeBron. You know, one thing I, I've got to do two of uh, Westbrook's games here. One of the things I really enjoy about him is how much he likes his teammates. Yeah. He's yeah, always yeah. standing up on when he's on the bench. He's always encouraging. He's always... Um, when there's a referee timeout or there's something going on, he's always um, going to the person that's struggling defensively or struggling offensively, and he's just a cheerleader. And watching him in the locker room versus James Harden is very different. Like, Westbrook will – so here, here's two perfect examples. Um, Westbrook will go take a shower, and then he'll come down and sit down and answer four or five questions. James Harden goes in the locker room, ices his ankles for a half hour, plays online poker, and there's 20 media members in there. Then he'll go take a shower. Then he'll come back and lotion up in front of a bunch of old white men. And then he'll get dressed. So we're 45 minutes into it. And then he'll answer three questions with one word and walk out. Total disrespect of everything that brought him there. Well, back to Russell. Um, I say Russell Westbrook because I think he can compete in the 90s era. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Imagine with him with 24 pounds of muscle. Oh, my God. He'd be a killer. Yeah, yeah. Um, James Harden, not so much. No, he um, would He would. I don't think he'd make it four years into the league. Yeah. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, I think he would hold his own. Um, but I think he needs to be more aggressive and, and faster. See that he's not an alpha male. That's his problem. Would you say he's a finesse player? He's a or San Diego State player. Well, yeah. No, he's he's well. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. San Diego yeah. State. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Mr. Fisher. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I think he needs to be stronger. Uh, but he's a great role player. Yeah. But I think that's what Pop has turned him into. Pop has a system of everybody has a role. Mm-hmm. And there's no superstars. Tim Duffin wasn't a superstar. He was a great role player. He was a media star. Yeah. But talk yeah. about a man yeah. that knows yeah. how to save money. Tim Duncan will come out in some baggy jeans, an old T-shirt. Oh, you guys seen that picture of him in like, <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. a little purse satchel thing? Doesn't he have a Tupac tattoo on his back too? Thug life. No, yeah, he's yeah. Got, yeah, he, he does. does. Yeah. No, he doesn't. Yeah, that's not real. Yeah, it's not real. I mean, like you guys are lying right now. He's yeah. No, he's come on, man. He's a swimmer. Google image thug him. Life on yeah. his back. I've never seen. I'm that. sure there's photos of his tattoo on Google. You should. That's crazy. Because I got Thug Life tatted. You, come on. Stop. No, I really do. Where? I can't show you guys. Yeah, you can. No, you could, I, I can't could, do it. Please. I ain't going to be able to do it. This is PG, or keeping it G, actually. 
because I'm a gangster. Anyway, uh, <laughs> TJ. So before we go to, what are you in town for? I'm in town for the 20th reunion of the 1997 Western Conference. I'll be there tomorrow. Champions. You will. Yeah, you I'm will. Definitely. Definitely. You got to give me like all access pass because. Sasha's the man. Yeah, the Jazz. They really don't like give out passes like that. Yeah, I know. I had to talk to basketball operations personnel and everything. I'm like, hey, give me an all-access pass. Do you get one? No. <laughs> That's what Guess I'm you ain't the man. <laughs> Sasha is. Well, I try to respect, uh, you know, these these teams. You never know who you'll work for. Yeah. yeah. Um, I try to respect them instead of just walking around the entire arena. <laughs> because, you know, I really don't want to go to jail. <laughs> but... Yeah, yeah, it, it'll be fun uh, to see, you know, John Stockton and Hornacek and I believe Byron Russell's in town, mm-hmm. uh, big Greg Ostertag from KU, um, you know, all, all those guys. Um, what do you think about Malone pa- uh, passing it? He said there was yeah, a pre-existing... Family issue, or not a family issue, a pre-existing... Scheduling. scheduling. Yeah. Um, I think Malone is still uh, a little sour about the, the contract issue, Uh with the Utah Jazz, to be honest, there's a lot of issues. Uh, car dealership issues. There's there's a bunch of stuff. I wouldn't want to come back either. To to be honest, now so, he, what he, about he, doing he it for the co- fans? He was coaching with them a couple years ago uh, when Sloan. He kind of he wanted to become a head coach, and one of the many bizarre things of Carmelo, um, he was going to become an assistant coach with uh, Sloan. Now the guy that took over for Sloan, uh, oh, the tall he got guy, fired. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it didn't work out financially. But he he's been around for the use. They don't, or at least publicly, he goes to games. And when he's in Utah, like he'll do uh, meet and greets at boys and girls clubs. Like he, but there is something going on weird there. Um, well, remember they didn't want to renew his contract or give him the money that he desired when he went to the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And as a franchise player, no matter what, especially in his, his, his later years, I think you got to, you know, bite the bullet as an organization and do that. Um, what do you think of him as a wrestler when he uh, I joined with Dennis Rodman? He's he's 6'9 in country. Yeah, I believe. <laughs> that country strong. Yeah, I put him up against a black bear and a polar bear. Uh, Did you think it was disrespectful to the game? Um, no, I think it's all entertainment. Yeah. It's all entertainment. It's all about the fans. Um, yeah, yeah. Another Wichita shout out, you know, the big show played at Wichita State. For for a minute, yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, did, did he get kicked off the team? Didn't he punch somebody? Or? He had a lot of issues. Yeah, he had a lot of issues. <laughs> he had a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had to seriously. join the carnival. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's all about the fans at the end of the day, man. Use your platform to, to make them happy, make them laugh, and give them something to remember. So then should he be here? Should he be here? Um, yeah, that's a different show uh, because <laughs> I, I have so many takes on it. Um, Sloan might be dead in two years. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they, they talk to Sloan all the time. Well, he's got uh, his health, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. His health is declining. I it's remember. really bad. But you're talking about doing stuff for the fans. Should you put all the business aside, all whatever's going on behind closed doors and say, I'm going to do it because people want to see me. People want to see Carl Malone. If you want to know about Carl Malone, I got a great story for you. So 
my I grew up in California. My mother's best friend was a professor at Westminster College. It's a small college, but it's where the jazz used to play practice mm-hmm. for 10, 15 years. And so somehow I ended up going to a Carl Malone basketball camp. <laughs> somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and I won most improved. You didn't request it. No, no. <laughs> I was a baseball guy. Like, yeah. I want to play baseball. And I ended up winning most improved player. So my reward for this hard work during the week, I got a size 18 pair uh, <laughs> shoe from Carl Malone. Not signed. I got two of them. And I looked at him when he gave them to me. And I was like, what am I supposed to do with these, sir? And he just, like, rubbed my head. And they didn't even make them to my car. I threw them away. And oh. now I'm so mad at myself. Wow. Because they were those really ugly British K yellow. And oh, wow. Purple. British Knights. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> wow. And they were 18, size 18. Well, they probably. Well, I, I, I wonder they if they'd be worth any money. Make oh. a thousand or so. I mean, they were British Knights. <laughs> I mean, it's really. It's just a disrespectful gift to give to a 10-year-old. <laughs> like, you gotta sign it. Like, what are you going to do with size 18? Like, I'm sure my mom paid at least 100 bucks for me to go there, you know? <laughs> you give me a like size 45. 18. Yeah, it's bigger than me. <laughs> wow. Yo, so how'd you meet Antoine Carr? He's from Wichita. Uh, he's a Wichita state player or legend. Um, you know, same neighborhood. Um, but, yeah, it's a small world in Wichita, especially when it comes to sports. So you just contacted him, or how did that all? Well, um, long story short, uh, in my hometown, it's a hotbed for pro athletes. And, uh, you know, back when I was growing up, I had a lot of friends that, you know, passed away and became drug addicts and high school dropouts and teenage parents. And I always wondered what if these athletes would came or come back to their hometown and give back, inspire and encourage these kids, where would they be? And, uh, you know, I got in contact with all the hometown heroes and encouraged them to come back to the hometowns. And one thing led to another. You know, I tried my best to revive his career and get him back with the Kings, the Hawks, and, of course, uh, the the lovely Utah Jazz. And, you know, uh, here we are. Here we are. And you do a lot of giving back to uh, the community. What are some things that you do out there? Wow. Um, I have a reading program, Readers Create Leaders. Uh, I try to, you know, host some reading events uh, for underprivileged kids, low-income families, uh, provide books for them. Uh, there are no books in the household nowadays. No. There's a big 90-inch TV screen, but there's there's no books. And I want to, you know, rekindle or reignite that, that flame of reading. Is literacy. literacy pretty bad right now? And Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, it's, it's very, very bad. Um, it's, it's sad, man. There's, there's people our age. And they're cutting funding for schools now. Like it blows my mind back. Isn't that sad? Yeah. But they're, they're, well, I'll I'll tell you a short or a quick statistic. Um, at the third and fourth grade level, uh, the, the investors for prisons count on these kids to struggle with their state assessments and reading, uh, that means if they struggle at the third and fourth grade level, these investors want to build more prisons so they can make twenty five to thirty five thousand a year per inmate. And it's it's sad, man. If you uh, think what do they about call it? The, the prison industrial complex? Yeah. Is that Yeah, right? but 
think about thirty to forty five thousand teachers don't even make that a year. Yeah. That's scary. Like it's scary. Um, but yeah, that's that's some of the the giving back that I do. Um, I love to see people smile. Um, a thank you is the most valuable thing in the world to me. Um, I, I love people. I'm a people person. I, I love people, man. Do you give enough love to yourself? Because it seems like being an agent, you're always managing other people's lives and decisions. Do you allow yourself enough time to give to yourself? No. Why not? No. I feel like it's my life's purpose. And when you reach a certain age, you understand that life is not about you. Um, it's about what you're doing with your platform to help and inspire other people, being a positive distraction. Um, I think, you know, I'll get my reward when, when you know, God sees fit. But at this point in time, my, my focus is on helping you guys or helping children or uh, just giving a word to, to a homeless guy or somebody in the street smiling to them. I never smile, by the way, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah, is that learned from your grandmother? Is that who who taught you that? Because that's got to be a learned behavior. Yeah, yeah. My my family is very very inspiring. They influenced me greatly about giving back and and doing for others. Uh, my grandmother and my mother. Um, I won't talk you to death, but another story. Um, my mother used to pop open her her trunk at the end of church and. Just give out clothes to girls and boys, or uh, she would, I don't know, have peanut butter in the back of her trunk. Um, although that may sound crazy, there's some people that don't even have peanut butter in their household or, you know, really survive off the week off of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or crackers. But, you know, the way people smiled and looked at her and thanked her for the small things, I, I had no choice but to, to take that and run with it. I know a couple people who do would love to be a sports agent and are actually going to school and they really don't know what kind of path they're supposed to take in this. How did you get to where you are now and owning your own business? Well, um, that, that cousin that I mentioned earlier, um, I seen his agent, uh, just lollygag and, you know, represent him, but not the football player. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not really, uh, utilize him to the best of his ability and fully market him. So I, I took that and ran with it. I said, yo, I don't want to attach my brand to him, but I want to to create my own brand. And from my giving back and my personality, I created defining sports. That means I define sports. Sports does not define me. If you look at sports in a typical athlete, you have an image in your mind. You have O.J. Simpson and... and, and the and, Bronco. Yeah, and, and, and negative images. So I wanted to find sports. And our slogan is heroes in sports, legends in life. And when you have a brand like that, I want to be a hero in sport, but I want people to understand that I'm a legend with my jersey off. I want to inspire you and change your life. Um, now, as far as being a sports agent, I'll tell them no. Uh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Just make sure you have a brand and and a a brand that's worth someone connecting their life to it, their 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 investment to it, something that people can trust and believe in. Do you have female clients? Yeah, majority of my clients are females. Mm-hmm. Can you believe that? WNBA players. You know what? I uh, my favorite three sports to watch in no great order: gymnastics, softball, 
And volleyball. <laughs> I heard that. And volleyball. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. It's I wonderful. mean, visually, it's awesome. But Traffic you know, built. the one thing you see in women's sport that you don't see in men's sport is genuine happiness. And they they take it the with smiles and the cheers and yeah, they can't move laterally the same way, and they don't have the same strength, but they have fun. They're passionate. Yeah, and they're friendly, and they're aggressive. They're aggressive. Oh, they're, I will they'll say, cut your throat. Yeah. I yeah. will say that my WNBA clients are, are passionate and aggressive. Candace Parker is not my client, but Glory Johnson is. They both went to the University of Tennessee. Pat Summer died last year. And the day that Pat Summer died, they played the Dallas Wings versus the L.A. Sparks. And Glory and, and Candace got into it. And I thought that was about to be the worst storyline ever. But <laughs> they, they're just aggressive and passionate about, you know, the game. What do you think about Kelsey Plum? She's a shooting guard for the Washington Huskies women's team. Uh, Just became the number one scoring player ever in history. I'm going to correct you because I'm a critic. Is she three? Um, She's she's not uh, another Wichita person. Lynette Woodard is the all-time leading scorer. Okay, so she's number three. She moved into number three then. She moved into number two. Two? Another Kansas product. Jackie Stiles was number one in NCAA history. Nice. But, but she beat Jackie Styles' record. But Lynette Woodard is still number one overall. Will she break it in the tournament if they go to the finals? No, definitely not. Okay. No, I'm I'm a critic. Yeah, I'm no, no, critic. no. I appreciate it. I I love. I'm wrong most of no like, in my daily. So like it doesn't. But do you think she's a good player? Yes. Yes. I, I think is she's she a, great. an elite women prospect for WNBA. Yeah, she'll be a number one overall pick. If she keeps it up easily, um, I, I think she has unbelievable talent for her to put up those numbers that she did just to break the record. Yeah. And for the girls on the other team to allow her to do that. That's <laughs> I don't think they had a choice. Like The Huskies, and I forget how to pronounce her name, but they, their center is like 6'4". Oh, my God. And she close does. to 260 pounds. And she'll kill you. And she enjoys it, and but flat footed. <laughs> she don't. Yeah, she doesn't jump. She doesn't need to jump, she but does. she will elbow you on the way up to getting that rebound. Mm-hmm. And you know what? She is so charismatic on a mic, like because she does a lot of the press because Kelsey doesn't like to do it a lot. Sure. sure. And so on her stands up, just smiles and beamed and beat. You just watch this woman that basically just eviscerated all the hope that the other team had, <laughs> and you know, the, she does a lot of moving screens, which. I don't know. They kind of let that go in the Pac-12 a bit. Yeah, yeah. But it's a beautiful thing they got up there, and I'd love to watch them knock out Connecticut. It won't happen, but I, I think it will. I think it will. I, Connecticut's got they got to do something in that sport because you can't win 107 straight games. Like <laughs> you can't do that and call it a healthy sport. <laughs> well, what needs to change? Maybe for the sake of the health of the sport, they need to reduce scholarships or McDonald All Americans per university. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, seriously. No, seriously. With yeah. Kentucky too. Um, I, I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how it is. Like, because you know, in dumb guy talk, they're like, "Well, the Oklahoma Sooners team of 1972 could have beat any team in the NFL," and. Those comparisons are kind of real with the UConn. And maybe not this year's team, but two years ago. I just think it's really unhealthy that no one can compete 
against the Huskies. But I mean, is that their fault? No, no, absolutely not. And it's not their coach's fault. I but, wouldn't. I wouldn't think it would be fun. Seriously, what winning all the time? Yeah, like what? What's what's the point? Oh, I'd be cool with it. Me too. Really? I'm chilling. Yeah. yeah, you're just going out there to to. You still to compete, win, but you got to practice all week long. Practice? Yeah. Practice? Oh, we yeah. talking about practice? <laughs> yeah. Shout out to AI. Um, yeah, I, I think that's you know a little bit overboard. Uh, just to practice all week long and just blow a team up by twenty and thirty. I was like, dang. But they're still playing these games from start to finish. To they're not again. they're not letting off. I mean, they're not it's being lazy or anything. Goodness. Y'all, y'all just don't understand. Practice. <laughs> <laughs> and then after the game, you got to run like you lost. Like, goodness. So you're just lazy and you think because you win all these games, you don't need to do all that. Yeah, basically. No, seriously, if I won 170 games, I don't need to practice. But they're, they're, they're still practicing hard, and when you watch them play, they're not letting up. They're still playing hard as if they're not going to win the game. How does the WNBA see Huskies coming into the league? Do um, they go harder at them? I mean, it's a treasure. Uh, those those girls have a great relationship with each other, but yeah. Diana Tarazi gets the best of everybody. Yeah. Um, she gets elbows. People hate her. But, you know, she's a great player. Maya Moore, same situation. Um, but, you know, it's, it just is what it is. UT, as well as UConn, uh, gets the best of everybody. Stanford. Stanford's, or maybe not this last two years. I guess the Gumake girls are, are pretty great. I mean, they, yeah, they got 25 Pac-12 championships and a couple of titles, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty great, man. Is uh, and I really want to wrap this Me up too. here in a second. <laughs> but is women's sport around in twenty five years? Is is uh, Division two, Division three sport around in twenty years, fifteen years? But uh, yeah. men and women's. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, it's a money making situation. How how uh, is the BYU just to keep it local? How are they going to compete against Pac twelve schools and Big twelve schools? Like at some point, Akron State is not going to be able to compete in any major conference. But would that be a bad example, BYU? Because we know why a lot of people aren't going to BYU. Why? Oh, because of their religion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a very it's strict a, yeah. place. You can't have sex. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure how Jimmer Fredette did it, man. Did well, he go to BYU? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how are you like the nation's leading scorer? Yeah, you're you're telling people that you're not getting in. Yeah, um, that's impossible. And he, proud of he it. wasn't. But Tim Tebow on the other side was the same way too. Like I'm he, not believing anything Tim Tebow says. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Yo, Maybe so, that's why he's so big. You know, because <laughs> it's just all building like, up. Is that what goodness. you're saying? He's going to be Hulk. You know what, DJ? We're going to wrap this up. Where can people find you on social media? Um, Mister. DJ Fisher on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, or just Google me, DJ Fisher. Sasha, where can people find you? Uh, Mr. Under Bloom on Twitter. I think I'm Bloom underscore Sasha on Instagram. Is that Bloom like B L O O M? B L U M E. Boom. Yeah. 
All right. You can find me on Twitter at B Johnson ABC4. Thanks for tuning in to our first episode of Dropping Dime. And of course, 11 other shows on Utah Podcast Network. We're killing it with numbers. So please uh, find those shows, find one you like, download, subscribe, tell your friends about it. Uh, we're doing good things here. So help us continue on with that. And thanks for listening. Thompson. Uh-huh. Coach Thompson. Was saving my life. Uh-huh. For giving me uh the opportunity. Um I was recruited by every school in the country for football. And basketball. And uh, an incident happened in high school, and all that was taken away. No other teams, no other schools were recruiting me anymore. My mom went to Georgetown and begged him to give me a chance. And he did. And that's, uh, and that's crazy to think that you're the best football player in the world, which I did, and to, be, and to be sitting up here as a Hall of Famer in basketball. You tell me God ain't good. Um, after I left Georgetown, um, I was a high basketball player. I had a, <laughs> I had, I had talent. Um, but once I started to listen.